Welcome back, my brothers and sisters, for another episode of During Bible Study Podcast with your host, Steve Kitts. Let's get into it with a word of prayer, and then we'll start talking about our message today is Raising of Lazarus. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your wonderful grace and love. Thank you for always being with us. We thank you, Lord, that you give us the Holy Spirit to help us and teach us and to guide us and give us your love that we can always lift you up and give you the praise and the honor. In your blessed name we beg. Amen. Well, today we're going to be talking about raising of Lazarus. The raising of Lazarus or the resurrection of Lazarus is a miracle of Jesus recounted only in the Gospel of John. And we see that in chapter 11, verses 1 through 44, in which Jesus brings Lazarus of Bethany back to life four days after his burial. In John, this is the last miracle that Jesus performs before the Passion, which is the death and suffering in his own resurrection, right before the Last Supper and the praying in the garden. Well, who is Lazarus? And is introduced as a follower of Jesus who lives in a town of Bethany near Jerusalem. He is identified as the brother of the sisters Mary and Martha. Well, why did Jesus cry? We see that two natures of Jesus. In his humanity, Jesus wept for Lazarus. In his divinity, he raised him from the dead. The sorrow, sympathy, and compassion that Jesus felt for all mankind, rage that he felt against the tyranny of death over mankind. Christ's time on earth was growing short. The Passover, when he would die, was drawing nigh. And we see that in John 11:55. It says, And the Passover of the Jew was near, and he went out to the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. His disciples needed to see his power over death and the grave before he was crucified, so that they would believe that his resurrection when he rose from the dead and left his tomb. Why wait four days for it before he came? We all know that Jesus could have showed up at any time and commanded Lazarus to come out of the grave. He showed up just in time to raise the dead. We have researched for a while and most of the information tells us that it was because of the Jewish belief that the soul remains in the body for three days. So if Jesus has raised Lazarus before then, the people wouldn't see it as a miracle. It had to be more than three days. Jesus made it clear that he was the one that had the power over death, hell, and the grave to show us his deity over death. Well, here's the situation. Mary and Martha have dispatched a messenger to Jesus that Lazarus was ill, powerless, and very feeble. From what we're told, the message doesn't specifically suggest that Jesus come or that they expect Jesus to come heal their brother, even though we know what Mary said later on in John 11. Jesus makes it clear there's a purpose for this situation. Jesus sees a greater opportunity than obviously healing Lazarus. He will bring greater glory to himself, so he intentionally delayed to accomplish his purpose. As the story goes, he is the one on-time God showing up just at the right moment for every situation. Before they enter the town, Martha, Lazarus' sister, comes to meet Jesus and tells him, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus assures Martha that her brother will rise again and states, I am the resurrection and the life. He believes in me will live even though he is dead. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha affirms that she does truly believe and states, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world and is 
only the second time after Nathaniel that someone declares Jesus as the Son of God. The first time someone equates him with the Messiah and the Son of God together. The only other time this happened in the entire gospel is in the explanation upon entering the village, Jesus is met by Mary and the people that have come to console her. Upon seeing their grief and weeping, Jesus is deeply moved. Then, after asking where is he buried, a shortest verse in the four Gospels in the, or the entire book of the Bible is found, and it says, Jesus wept. After that, Jesus asked for the stone of the grave to be removed, but Martha interjects and said there will be a smell, to which Jesus responds, Did I tell you that... If you believe, you would see the glory of God. So they moved the stone away. Then Jesus looks up and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I say this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus calls out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. He called Lazarus by name because if he had just said whomever was dead arise, the whole graveyard would arose. The dead man comes out, his hands and feet, stripes of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus says to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Yes, he could have prevented the, or even cured, but the last miracle that this needed to be real big. Shemira refers to the Jerusalem religion rite of watching over the body of the deceased person. The bodyguards, or the guardians of the dead, perform thankless tasks. According to the Mishrad tradition, souls hover over the body for three days. In the Mighag, or custom, the customs of the ancient Israels are considered Torah. When Jesus called Lazarus, Lazarus emerged from the tomb, not a zombie or a half-dead or undead, but fully alive and well. Such is the power of Jesus Christ. Scripture never records that Lazarus experienced anything during the four days in the tomb. We assume that his soul or spirit was in paradise where the other Lazarus was. After Lazarus was raised from the dead, the chief priests and Pharisees plotted out to kill him because so many witnesses to that miracle believed in Jesus after that. And we see that in John 12 verses 9 through 11. The enemies of Christ wouldn't deny the miracle, so the best thing, in their view, was to destroy the evidence, which was Lazarus, in this case a real breathing person. But they couldn't stop the truth from spreading. Lazarus escaped, and Jesus stayed. Jesus, as well as was needed for the, these events to happen, we all agree that Jesus allowed himself to be captured right after that. But what happened to Lazarus? According to the Escapolinos of Cyprus, this was 367 to 403. Lazarus was 30 years old when he rose from the dead and then went on to live another 30 years following his resurrection. Another tradition says that Lazarus fled out of anger of the Jews and took refuge in Kiton in Cyprus around 33 AD. While in Cyprus, Lazarus met the Apostle Paul and Barnabas as they traveled from Samalus to Patmos, and they ordained him as the first bishop of Kiton. He shepherded the church of Kiton with great care and love for the 18 years until the end of his life. Just think about how someone raised from the dead would be able to preach. Each one of us are saved from hell as we have been raised from the dead. We should have been on the same fire that Lazarus had. Jesus 
came to our dead lives one day and told us to rise and come out of the grave state and now have life. I would encourage you to act more like you are no longer dead. The second death of Lazarus. St. Lazarus ended his second earthly life in Cyprus around 63 AD. The faithful wept and buried him with honor in the sarcophagus made of Cyprus marble, on which they wrote in Hebrew, Lazarus of four days and friend of Christ. Above the sarcophagus, there is built a beautiful church, which was renovated in 1750. His memory and celebration by the church every Sunday before Palm Sunday. The transfer of relics from St. Lazarus from Kiton to Constantinople took place in 890 AD by the order of the Emperor Leo the Sixth the Wise and was celebrating on October 17th. Emperor Leo wrote the Idiomes of Vespers for St. Lazarus. Idiom is a hymn that's not in the pattern of other hymns in the terms of meter and content and melody. Some of these relics of St. Lazarus in Constantinople are they're transferred in detail for us two pentagrams hominy delivered by Bishop Anneth of Sierra 850 after 932. After extolling the arrival of the great treasures of Constantinople in his first homily, he described the second of the processional forms of the presence of the emperor when the relic arrived in Cyrene by Hagar Umu. He exchanged this for a transfer and Leo sent money and artisans to Cyprus where he built a magnificent church in order, honor of St. Lazarus, which is mainly maintained until today by Laranese. Furthermore, he built a monastery of Constantinople dedicating to St. Lazarus, which he placed in some sacred relics. To the same monastery, later transferred the relics of St. Mary the Magdalene from Ephesians. Later became a custom of the emperor of the New Rome to worship at the monastery on the Saturday of Lazarus. Not too many years ago, specifically in November 23rd of 1972, the superintendent of the Department of Antiquities, who worked along with the restoration of the Church of Lantanaracia, found the sarcophagus with bones beneath the pillar supported by the holy altar. The bones were in a wooden box placed in the sarcophagus, which turned had carved in the words, friend. This finding seems the tradition of Leo VI did not take the entire relics of St. Lazarus to Constantinople, but left a portion behind. Authentic testimony and evidence for the fact that the location of the bones were found under the holy altar. Moreover, Athena does not mention the incorruptible relics, but bones and powder. Also, the Russian source of the Library of Oxford reports that the Russian monk came from Pakas Monastery in 16th century to Larina, and he venerated the bones of St. Lazarus, taking them a piece for himself as well. The piece is preserved to this day in the chapel of St. Lazarus at Pascas Monastery. Based on this account, we confirm that the relics of St. Lazarus was venerated by Larising in 16th century, and later accounts have not been known. For some reason, probably for protection, the Kitons hid the relics beneath the holy altar until it was discovered in 1972. The final thought here, Jesus had to wait until he could restore life in a way that the witnesses could have no doubt that he was God. Jesus didn't worry what was said to him. He knew what the end results would be. He didn't have to worry when Jesus came on the scene. 
He will do miracles and he will provide and prove his power. Not only did Christ give a remarkable proof of his divine power by raising Lazarus, but he likewise placed before our eyes lively images of future resurrection. Jesus singled out Lazarus in a dead place and gave him life. If Jesus had said, hey, you dead, come out of the grave, then we know that everyone in that graveyard would have no choice but to come out. Jesus came to me and called to my dead heart one day and offered me life. He can do the same for you and every lost one that we know that is in a dead situation. Now here's some additional information about the Jewish tradition of death. Jews believe that the person must be buried immediately after death, preferring the same day but no more than three days later. Embalming and cremation are prohibited by Jewish law. These practices are considered a violation of the body that encases the soul. The Shever Kaddish is a sacred burial society preparing the deceased for burial by washing the body from head to toe with warm water then wrapping it in a plain white shroud. Someone would then sit with the body reciting psalms. The body is never left alone from the time of death until burial. Jewish law dictates that the body is to be buried in a simple pine box. The Kaddish prayer is said by the family at the burial. After the burial the deceased family and friends have to sit shiva or in mourning for seven days during which all mirrors in the houses are covered. It wasn't long ago other religious practices known as sitting up with the dead. Well thank you for that. Uh, Hopefully that brings a little bit more light on the raising of Lazarus and why Jesus did it. Showing his power and his ability over death, hell, and the grave. And that's an example of what he can do for our dead and lifeless souls and bring it to life. Well, join me in a prayer as we close. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that one day you came to us and you gave us life, Lord. You raised us up out of the grave and gave us an eternal life, Lord, that we have a home in heaven with you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. In your blessed name we beg. Amen.